we're all getting used to being back in here. I got my mic turned on. <laughs> uh, great to see everybody. Glad to, glad you guys made it to the 1030 service. And um, again, like we said before, that we uh, kind of spread things out. And this is kind of exciting because we've talked about, um, you know, man, be, what would it be like to have two services, but we weren't really sure if we should go to it just yet. Uh, but be able, because we have to do it in a sense, uh, this is exciting. So hopefully this is uh, good for you and it gives you a little bit of way of you know, spreading out a little bit. But like I told the first service, I'm going to tell you guys as well, look around. Now this is you know, half the, about half the rows. So normally we have more rows in here uh, and a little bit tighter together. But these seats are empty. But what that should motivate each of us is to say, okay, who should be sitting next to me? You know, who in my family, who, uh, one of my neighbors or my uh, you know, family, friends, whatever, coworkers, who are people that I need to connect in with and share who Christ is and invite them to come and be a part of what we're doing here and what God's doing through our church? See, the, the key thing, especially as we kind of move forward and, um, and we got, like I said, it's just everything that's going on in our world today is kind of beating down on my head. You know, um, God didn't um, commission mission agencies. God didn't commission campus groups. Uh, not, nothing wrong with those, but that's something men, man came up with. Jesus Christ commissioned his church to take on the responsibility of the mission of drawing people to Christ for salvation or a closer walk with him if they already know him. That's our responsibility as a church. Again, nothing wrong with mission agencies, nothing wrong with campus groups, but here's what happens a lot of times. A lot of times the church gives that responsibility of reaching people for Christ to those organizations. Or people in a church says, well, it's the church's responsibility, not understanding that they're actually the church. So this, to me, is this a great reminder that, um, and we can do this all weekend, you know, we can have service after service after service. I'll have to train my voice to be able to talk longer than one service. So this is kind of unusual for me to be talking two services, but um, I'll do it. I'll be up for that. Um, but that's our responsibility. And let me just say this, uh, moving from that. <clears throat> it's our responsibility, but that responsibility starts in our home first. Okay? whether we're drawing people to Christ for salvation or we're drawing people to Christ for a closer walk with Him. We can't be focused on people outside of our family and leave our family hanging. We can't be sacrificing for other people and not sacrificing for our spouse, for our children, for our parents, you know, for our family. So it starts in our family and then it moves out from there. And again, we're going to be talking about some things uh, pertaining to that. Uh, have you ever wondered um, how it is that I get up here every Sunday? I don't mean, you know, I walk. Uh, barely walking, but I'm, I walk. But ever wonder how, you know, how does Pastor Hill come up with a message every week? Anybody? Two people in the other service did. Nobody else cared. Two people were like, yeah, we wonder. Well, even if you don't care, I'm going to tell you. Because <clears throat> it relates. So normally we're in a series. Um, right now we're doing what we call a standalone. So we're between series. Last week we ended one. Next week we're starting a new one. 
Um, and so this is kind of a standalone. But whatever the case, there's usually a passage or several passages of scriptures that uh, we're going to focus in on, and then I study those out. So I break out the Greek or the Hebrew and the Bible and I look at the, the audience and who the audience was back in the first century or back in the Old Testament and what did they understand the author to be talking about and how does that relate to what God's trying to get across. Uh, and so what's the main point of that passage? Every passage of Scripture has a main point with a lot of applications. But let's get to the point. What's the point? What are we shooting for? So then I have that. While I'm doing that, I'm also thinking about what's, what's been going on in our church family. What's been going on in my life? What's been going on in the life of those in our church? And I, and I know what goes on in our church because we have an awesome church that lets me know what's going on in their lives, which I greatly appreciate. So, and I'll get emails or texts or phone calls or people stop by and, and they'll be sharing with me what's going on in their lives or what's um, going on in somebody else's life. So they're coming, hey, how do, you, you know, how do I handle this situation? I got a friend who's doing this or a family member saying, you know, how do I help with them? So then what I do is I take what I'm studying in God's Word and I'm thinking about what's going on in our church family and I, I bring those things together. So on Sunday morning, it's kind of like a big group counseling session. There you go. And so it's important for all of us to be here each week so that we can hear what God's Word has to say about the circumstances that we're going through or somebody else is going through that we can help them. Um, so we don't just kind of throw up stuff to talk about just because it sounds good. We're thinking about what's going on in our church, what do people need. And so Sunday mornings, you know, I might have people coming for counseling during the week, for instance, but I also say, hey, if you're coming in for counseling, you also need to be there on Sunday morning because it's kind of like a, a group counseling session, or on Thursday nights when we have our Bible studies. Again, understanding God's Word, understanding what He has to say, what He wants to do in our lives. So like I said this morning, we're in a, um, doing a standalone. Next week we're going to start a new series uh, called Enough for the Bad News, and we're going to be looking at some of the things that are connected to our salvation. So what are some of the things that God has given us over and above our salvation or connected with our salvation? So uh, make sure you're back here next week for that. It's going to be fun to work through that. But today we want to talk about some essentials. Now, we've heard the word essential a lot, right? Um, some of you found out that you had essential jobs, and some of you may have found out that your job wasn't essential, at least to somebody else. You know, to all of us, all of us, our jobs are essential, but we have this word essential. So I, I thought, well, I'm going to take the word and I'm going to use it so that next time people see it, they're going to connect it with what God's word says is essential and not so much feeling whether they, they are essential or not. So we're going to look at three essentials, things that we need to understand moving forward as we deal with whatever life throws our way, okay? So first of all, the first one we're going to look at is that we need, it's essential that we understand what God is doing. So whatever's going on in our lives, whether it's good or bad or indifferent, God is glorifying, which we'll talk about, God is doing something with that. There's a reason why God is doing and allowing that to be in your life, okay? Um, there's several things, but the one that we're going to focus in is the ultimate thing. Secondly, that we need to understand what we need to do. See, we're part of this process. It's not that we just go and uh, sit in our house and we, and we pray and 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 pray. We don't do anything else, all right? We talked about that in the Philippians, our last series. So, there's something that we do. There's things that we are supposed to do that God wants us to do. So we need, it's essential that we understand what we're supposed to do. And then it's essential to understand what we as a church family need to do and the importance of why we come together and who we are as a church family. All right, you guys ready for that? 
Excited? You guys have had more sleep, so you better be awake than more awake than nine o'clock people. Those poor people walked in, and you know we were dumping coffee down there. It was a sad sight to see. Some of them were still in their pajamas. Like, come on, people! I wish I could do that. No, they weren't in their pajamas. I'm just kidding. So, understand what God is doing. It's essential that we understand that what what's going on in our lives, God is aware of it. God's allowing it. And there's the ultimate reason why is the fact that he's glorifying himself. Now, what does it mean to glorify? It's a good Christianese word. We use it all the time. But uh, I don't think we always understand what it really means. To glorify, in God's sense, to glorify in in a general way, because it has a bunch of different pieces to it, but in a general way, it means to reveal um, himself. So anytime God... Uh, shows us, reveals to us who he is, his character, you know, peace, uh, love, just, uh, you know, these, these types of things. When we see that and understand that and recognize that he's revealing to us part of his character, that's glorifying himself. If he um, shows what he can do, like when he fulfills a promise of Scripture, when we do something and he fulfills that promise and gives us peace, for instance, or, you know, the things he does, he's revealing who he is and how he operates. In our lives, and so to glory, to glorify him, glorifying himself is him revealing or showing himself to us who he is, and then through us, because this is a key element of it, through us to other people. Other people are watching us and how we're responding to life, right? So God allows both good and bad situations to glorify, to reveal himself to us and through us to others. And I put in parentheses there because I think this is a key thing that we need to remember because it starts in our homes. So God wants to reveal himself to me and how he operates so that I grow in my relationship with him and then through me to Kim, to my kids, now my grandchild. I know you guys heard of Ellie Hedder baby. I don't know if you guys heard that. You probably have. So yeah. So, um, Oliver Lee Havis, and uh, they call him Ollie. I call him O. So, um, in our house, uh, a lot of times you will go by our first initial. So, like my brothers call me H, um, and so I'm going to call him O. I thought it was cool. So, but anyways, so but it starts with our spouse. So, it's uh, thank you very much. It starts with our spouse. It starts with our kids, our you know parents co-workers, neighbors, whatever. It, that's what God is doing. And when we think and do life God's way, we learn more about him and how he operates, and we show him to others. So I was thinking about, okay, Lord, this, this is something that's obviously throughout Scripture, starting in Genesis 1 through Revelation. It's all about God's glory, about who he is. And so I'm just kind of thinking through just you know different ways and I, I always kind of tend towards what Jesus has to say when it comes to these things. And so the, the story of Lazarus came to my head, so I thought, oh, I'm, I'm going to read that. You know? and, and I, it's been a while since I read it. And, um, but <laughs> this is such a cool story. It hits this point so good. So look at this. Look at what it says. So you guys know who Lazarus is, right? Uh, Lazarus is a very good friend of Jesus. He's, he's sick. So Jesus finds out that he's sick, and he's told, hey, Lazarus is sick. So this is Jesus' response. So Jesus is God, right? But when Jesus heard this, 
He said this sickness is not to end in death. Anybody know what happened to Lazarus? He died. <laughs> so it did not end in death, but for what? The glory of God, so that the Son of God, Jesus, may be glorified by it. <laughs> this is even funnier. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in a place where he was. Anybody here, you know, if like if my family, if my brother's in Chicago, which is about, you know, four or five hour drive or three, depending on how they drive, um, if they find out that I was sick, badly sick, and they're like, Harold, we love you. Oh man, we love you. We're going we're gonna to wait a couple days. You know, it's just, so Jesus is saying, I love, I love them. I do. I really love them. So we're going to, so because of that, I'm going to wait two days. Then after the, this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea. So let's head back. There's a whole story, too, about going back and something that Thomas says. You'll have to read it. So Jesus then said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad for your sakes. Anybody? Okay, I, don't, I, I can't really tell if anyone's smiling. Doesn't that sound weird to you? Hey, you know, Lazarus died. And you know what? I'm glad for you guys that Lazarus died. It's just, I don't know, you guys need to start reading the Bible a little bit more like a cartoon or something. I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there. Why? So that you may believe. But uh, let us go to him. Now, Jesus let Lazarus die. I mean, if you've read anything in the Gospels, Jesus is able to say, standing here and, you know, in Cleveland to be able to say, you're healed. He's done it before. He could have healed Lazarus. He didn't need to be there. He could have spoke a word and healed him. But he let Lazarus die. Now put yourself in, in Mary's shoes and Martha's shoes and Lazarus' shoes. I guess they wore sandals, but whatever the case, put yourself there. Can you imagine the pain? Can you imagine the disappointment in Jesus? We're your friends. We're your friends. We sent you a message. You could have gotten here. You could have healed him. Why didn't you do that? I mean, after all, isn't that what you're supposed to do? Make our lives easier? I mean, isn't that what we think oftentimes about God? Make my life easier. Fix it. Fix it. You're rub the genie lamp. Fix it. But he doesn't do that. He doesn't do it because he says it's, this is for his glory, for Jesus' glory. So here's something that, um, that Mary and Martha and Lazarus and the disciples and all those, they're going to learn something. They're going to see God's glory. So they knew that Jesus could heal. Right? That's why they called him. Because they knew that about him. God had revealed that. Jesus had revealed to them that he could heal. So they knew that about him. So they call upon him. Hey, we need your help. But he wanted to reveal something more about himself. That he, he's not the one who just heals. He's the one who could bring somebody back from the dead. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I, I, I love having a God who can heal. Right? And, and I know people that God has healed, and I'm not talking about faith healers dropping people on the floors. I'm talking about God working people's lives and as he wills and as he desires, and he heals them. 
But I really like having a God who can raise somebody from the dead. Now, they said, if you read the story, they said, well, we know you could raise him from the dead, like down the road when we all get, you know, get to go to heaven. But, he, but what they learned about him is right here and right now, he's got that power. Well, if he could raise somebody from the dead, he could do anything. So this huge thing that he was able to do, he could take care of all these other problems or work in all these other problems or do what he want, whatever he wants to do for his glory and all these other problems. And it gave them greater hope, greater confidence because they knew he could raise somebody from the dead as opposed to just healing, just healing somebody. And he says, I did that so you might believe. Believe is in trust. He says, I'm doing it. I let all that happen. All that junk, all that pain, all that concern, all that maybe even disappointment in me, I let it happen because I wanted you to believe. So I wanted you to, to be able to entrust yourself into what I say, what I promise, into who I am and what I want to do in your life. And they would never have known that had they not been in that circumstance. We can't know most of what God can do and who he is unless we're going through difficult times. So we talked about with Paul and Philippians. Bring on the suffering then. (laughs) Paul's like Philippians 3. Bring it on. I want to know you better. I want to know how you operate better. Bring it on. I haven't prayed that prayer yet, but (laughs) I'm just saying Paul did. And we just sang the song Chain Breaker. And I wish they had put in the bridge one more thing. You know, it talks about you can you know, receive it or whatever. I think we need to do it. We need to do what God tells us in order to experience the breaking of chains, the understanding of situations, the freedom that God offers us, which brings us to our second essential. We need to understand what we need to do. Quick answer. Now, I'm putting these quick answers in because I told the first hour this, that I know some of you are like, I don't care about the rest of the stuff. Just give me the, just get to the point, Harold. So I'm getting to the point, and then you can just kind of sleep for the next few minutes and then wait till the next point. Getting to the point is, what do we need to do? We need to demonstrate our faith, our belief, our entrusting through obedience. We demonstrate our faith through obedience. Now, Just like with glory, we like to throw that word around a lot. We like to throw the word faith around a lot, right, as Christians. It's a good Christianese word. I mean, we can use that a lot. It's got to have faith, brother. It's got to have faith. It's faith. It's all about faith. Faith, 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 faith. Hebrews. Hebrews 11, 1, and then verse 6 says this. So here's the definition of faith. So now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. That word hope means to have confident expectation. And, it's, and when hope is associated with Christ, which is what this is, it means confident expectation in Christ and what he's going to do. Okay? The conviction, in other words, I know this is going to happen, it's certain that it's going to happen, of things not seen. And without faith, it is impossible. Impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe, there's that same word Jesus used, entrust himself into the hands of, that he is God, that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So faith, what is faith? It's a step into the unknown, trusting only God's truths and promises. 
This is huge to understand. When, when we're going through a difficult time, whatever the difficult time is, right? We, uh, we have a choice to make. We can respond the way we think we should respond, the way we're feeling like we want to respond, the way our mind is telling us to respond. Within the emotion of it, within the uh, history, you know, that we have responded in the past, we, and we can think the way, you know, I need to think. And again, you know, talking about the fact, I, I, I deal with this myself, so I'm not, you know, I'm not beating people up. This is me, and I'll, I'll tell you a funny story here in a little bit. Um, well, it wasn't so funny, but anyways. Uh, we, um, I just lost my train of thought. So we, we have these, pro- I'm just going to keep going. We have these promises from God, and we can respond to the situation the way we think we should, or we can respond to the situation the way God says to respond, which is, 99.9% always opposite of the way we think we should. Right? Been there? You've been there and done that? Yeah, okay. So when we're going to respond, we're really taking a step into the unknown because we don't really know if God's way is going to work because it's so opposite of what everything else is telling us to do. Our emotions are screaming at, don't do that. You know, you think about marriage issues, family issues, work situation. You know, don't give somebody... You know, the ability to be over you, you know. Don't let somebody tell you what to do. You tell them what, you know, it, whatever the relationship issue that is happens all the time. Don't, don't respond financially the way God wants you to um, because, man, what if, what if that doesn't work? What if I don't have enough money to do what I need to do? You know, it's that kind of stuff. God gives us promises. He gives us truths. And so a step of faith is to go, in spite of what I'm feeling, in spite of what I'm thinking, in spite of what everything's screaming in my head, I'm going to take a step of faith. I'm going to do it God's way. Now, when we do that, there's truth and promises that come from that. And what's God doing? Glorify himself. He's revealing himself. But you have to take the step, because without the step, it's impossible to please God. He's not going to, give, he's not going to show you who he is if you're not willing to take that step. It just It's kind of a logical thing as well as a, a spiritual thing. And then he says, you cannot please him without faith. You cannot please God without faith. And I think we want to please him, right? So then how, how do we show our faith? Well, it's through believing. Believing brings us to obedience. So this is what James says. And this is verse 28 and verse 26. But some of you all say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works. Which, by the way, as we'll find out, can't happen. And I will show you my faith by my works. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. So obedience. All right, so this is the obedience. What is he talking about? Well, the, the work that he uses the word work, that's the obedience. That's doing it the way God says to do it. So faith is believing. It's entrusting ourselves into God's care by doing life his way, by being obedient in spite of what I'm feeling and thinking. And I do it. I take that step of faith because I don't really know. I don't, really, I don't even really know if I you know, want it to happen because I really like to tell somebody off and you know, do what I want to do. So obedience is the work of doing life God's way. Reading his word, understanding what he says, taking a step of faith, doing it, letting him glorify himself through that. That's the work. That's why they call it work, because it's work. You know, it takes us working through that. 
And so here's, here's the truth of the matter. I misread this the first service. <laughs> I'll try to stick to it. Genuine saving faith is not proven by our words, but by our actions. So a lot of times we'll say, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. That's what he's talking about, genuine saving faith. Uh, we don't earn our salvation. We receive our salvation as a gift from God based on faith. But that faith that we've expressed in God and now have a relationship with God and um, living life for Him, supposedly, that faith isn't proven by what I say as much as by what I do, my actions. Because I can say whatever I want to say. I could tell you that I'm a professional football player. And it's one of my illustrations. I love football. I would love to play football. But, and I could walk around and tell everybody, I'm a professional football player. I'm a, yeah, bum knee from you know, back in the big game. But until I actually get out on the football field, put on the pads and get out there, you know, it'll actually prove that I'm not a football player. But what I'm saying is, if I was a real football player, he got out there and played, then, oh yeah, no, he is a professional football player. He's out there playing professional football. A lot of Christians say, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. But then when it comes time to demonstrate that, to prove it in their actions, they back off. You know, I'd rather just say I'm a Christian. But the problem is, faith without works is dead. So we... We fill, you know, we take physical food in, right? We take physical food in to energize our physical body to go do physical work. Well, the same is true with our spiritual bodies. You want to put this so we place our faith in Christ. We are now spiritually alive. The Bible tells us, Holy Spirit lives in us. But we need to take in spiritual food. That's scripture. That's why Sunday mornings are important. Bible studies are important. You spending time at home is so important. You take in the spiritual food, and that spiritual food, along with the Holy Spirit, energizes us to do the spiritual things that we're supposed to do, taking steps of faith in, in the midst of difficult situations, and trusting God, and letting God operate, and doing it His way, and watching Him work. Paul was able to say back Philippians 4.19, we talked about last week, Paul was able to say to the Philippians, and I'm confident that God will meet all your needs. How is he confident in that? Because he's experienced God meet all of his needs. I mean, again, kind of an obvious answer, but we have a hard time in the midst of it to respond that way. I want to freak out. I don't want to, you know. But Paul's like, listen, I've done it. That's why he said in chapter 3, you know, I follow my example. He's not saying I'm awesome, I'm great, you know. No, follow my examples. I'm following Christ. I'm trying to do this God's way. Follow me. Help, you know, let's do this together. Let's do it God's way. Because in that, it's the only way we're going to know who God is and what he offers us. And then the last essential is this. We have to understand what we as a church needs to do. Quick answer. So wake up if you've fallen asleep. Quick answer. Write this down. Serve and support. Now go back to sleep. Serve and support. Now, I want to make a couple quick notes, and then I want to look at Galatians 1 through 5. Um, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn there if you like, but uh, it'll be up on the screen. First one is this, the importance of kind of a church situation. Genesis 1, uh, 24, 26 in there. 
it says that God created us in the image of himself. We are, we are created, humans in general, are created in the image of God. It means a lot of different things, but one of the main things is that we are relational. So God is a God of relationship. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three persons in one. He is a God of relationship. He's complete. In other words, he doesn't need us. I think a lot of times people are kind of like, you know, God saved me because, well, you know, <laughs> yeah, he needed me. Um, or sometimes we look at somebody in the secular world who's an awesome athlete or an awesome singer. Boy, God could do a lot with that person. Yeah, God could do a lot with you too, <laughs> type of thing. But anyway, so we've been made in the image of God. We need relationship. That's why introverts during this stay-at-home order have actually been struggling. Because they might only need one or two people, but they need those one or two people. The rest of us who are more extrovert, you know, maybe we need 100 people. Whatever the case, we need people. God's designed us to need people. If you've been feeling like, man, I've just been so off the last couple months, one of the reasons why is because you haven't been around people. Because God's designed you and me to be around people. The second thing is this. As Christians, we are part of the body of Christ. Body. So think body, right? We are part of the body of Christ. We're not the head. Jesus is the head. But we're the rest of the body. We're the arms and the, and the feet. And the, as my brother said, I'm one of the internal organs. Nobody wants to see me, but everybody wants me around. <laughs> type of thing. Um, so I'm just like, what organ are you talking about? But anyways, so if I were to cut off my arm and throw it over there, or you were to cut my arm off, uh, throw it over there, my arm would wither up and die because it's not connected to the body. But the body would be handicapped. It would be challenged. It would have a difficult time functioning, especially since I'm right-handed. Um, well, the same is true with the body of Christ. As, as Christians, part of the body, if we're not connected to a body, we're not connected to a church, if we're not attending and being involved, serving and encouraging and be a part of what God's doing in a church, we're going to wither and die. I'm going to say you're losing your salvation, but you're going to wither and die. You're not going to have any spiritual vitality in you. You're not going to understand who God is. You're not, you're not going to be able to see God glorify himself because God glorifies himself in the things that he's put together, and one of the things he's put together is the church. The other side is true. The church isn't as healthy, isn't as effective if you're not here. Because see, we've all been given spiritual gifts. The Bible calls them spiritual gifts. It's this ability by God's Spirit to, that we can do certain things. I don't think, you know, I'm not talking about levitating, you know, you know, moving things around. I'm talking about just basic things. You know, like spiritual gifts of administration, people who can organize things and get things in order, spiritual gifts of encouragement, people who just have because of who God is and what God's doing in their life, they can just encourage people. You know, there's all these, which by the way, just a little quick promotion. June 20th, we're having our serve class. And in the serve class, one of the things you learn about is spiritual gifts. So you can sign up through the church app for that under events. You can go to ohiograce.com backslash events Northwood and sign up, or you can sign up at the information center. We'll talk about spiritual gifts. But the point is, God gives the church people who are then supposed to be serving within the church, helping the church grow. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about that 
for the edification of the church, the building up of the church, making the church healthy and strong and able to reach into the world. And then as people come to Christ, all sorts of different people from different backgrounds with different struggles and different things that God has given them victory over, that they can sit with those people and help them through that difficult time together. And by the way, our church is awesome at doing that, and it's been incredibly fun to see. But there's also another point. There's a truth. Is it up there? Yeah, truth's up there. If we do not connect with and serve our church family, we will not grow spiritually. I'll give you guys a challenge again at 9 o'clock. If you can prove me wrong, I'll publicly say that I'm wrong, but you have to prove me wrong using Scripture. Okay? Because 1 Corinthians 12 backs us up. Ephesians 4 backs us up. Uh, 1 Peter 4.10 is a command to serve. So that pretty much backs me up. But Ephesians 4, 11 through 12, or 11 through 16, we talked about this in our Ephesians series, that the pastors and teachers, those who have been given the spiritual gift of teaching or preaching, um, and you guys have to determine whether I've got that gift or not, um, is that we coach and train and encourage and motivate and kick in a pan sometimes and hug sometimes, and we do whatever we can do to train you and to encourage you to help you guys serve each other so that our church can mature. So we're not tossed back and forth by everything that goes on in our lives and Every time something happens in the world, we're like, oh, man, I don't know what we're supposed to do. I don't know what we're supposed to do here. I'm supposed to, my marriage, I don't know. Supposed to. And we got Christians just all over the place flailing. Why? Because number one, they're not letting God glorify themselves. Number two, they're not spending time do, being obedient to what God's called them to do. And number three, they're not connecting in with the church family, which we'll talk more about in Galatians, um, Galatians 6. Point is, your spiritual growth is connected to your interaction with your church family. Why? Because we're part of the body of Christ. When I'm healthier, when my heart's healthy, the rest of my body functions better. When, when my muscles are stronger, believe me, my, my back feels better, my joints feel better. But when I lose sight of all those health type of things, my body doesn't feel too good. Let me finish out this point real quick, and then we'll do some takeaways. So Galatians chapter 6, 1 through 5. And we talked about this in our Galatians series, but I want to hit it again, because I think this really gives a good idea of what it is that we're supposed to be doing as a church. God has Paul tell us, go back. God has Paul tell us, brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, and trespass is sin, you know, so they're struggling that way, you who are spiritual, now that's anybody who's a Christian, Okay, so this isn't super Christian. This isn't somebody who's, you know, <laughs> more spiritual everybody else, right? This is anybody who's a Christian. It says, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Each one looking to yourself so that you, you too will not be tempted. In other words, that you won't go down that same path. Bear one another's burdens. So here's another thing we do. We bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. That, that boasting there is this, um, it's a good boasting. Boasting can mean two things. Usually it's a negative, but in this case, it's boasting not so much in us, but what God can do in our lives. For each one 
will bear his own load. So let's, let's break this down quick. So uh, what's our responsibility? So all of us have this responsibility. Sometimes we're the one being restored. Sometimes we're the one restoring. Sometimes we're the one caring. Sometimes we're the one helping, you know, whatever. But to restore is to set a broken bone. So one of our responsibilities as a church family is to help each other stay right with God. And when we start getting off track, we come around each other and we help each other time in a word, prayer together, encouraging it, whatever it looks like, to set that person right with God again. Like a broken bone being reset. We're to carry our own load, he says at the end, um, verse 5. The word load there, the Greek word there, means to, um, it's kind of like your, your, your daily normal stressors. So we all have them, right? If you're married, you have stressors um, as a married couple. If, you're, um, if you have family, you have stressors with uh, children or with your parents or with your extended family, or co-workers, if you've got a job, and you know, all that kind of stuff. We all have stressors, financial stressors, that kind of thing going on. We're all supposed to carry our load. What that means is we should be in a position spiritually where we get to a spot where our daily struggles we can handle. So I'll give you for, a for instance. Earlier this week, uh, Kim and I um, didn't see eye to eye on something, and um, it came to a point where we um, we showed each other our backs. You know, that thing. Like, I'm not going to talk to you about it. Um, now, if if that situation happened within our first year, uh, we might have gone to somebody who is more spiritual um, and somebody who's been married longer and said, "Hey, listen, we had our first fight, and we don't want to. We want to make sure we don't." you know, do that again. So any advice? And so they'd take us to the Bible and they'd show us, you know, what God's Word says and we would say, okay, oh, interesting to ask questions and yeah, okay. And then, and then we'd go on our way and we would work on that. So the t- second time we had a fight, not so bad. We don't, we we're kind of, we're using God's Word for how we need to respond to each other. Well, Kim and I have been married for 28 years and so uh, we've had a few of these experiences in our lives. And so, we decided separately, you know, we better do this God's way. So I knew that I needed to sacrifice because uh, that's what Ephesians 5 tells me to sacrifice for Kim, like Christ sacrificed for the church. So I walked over to her and I was like, you got something to say? I was in the other room. I sacrificed. Your turn. <laughs> no, I didn't do that. Uh, so we just kind of, we got, you know, got together and just like, hey, you know, sorry. I, uh, you know, she said, I'm sorry for what she had said and done. And I said, I'm sorry, too, that you did that to me. And uh, No, <laughs> and I apologized. Sorry that you're that way. Um, and and we, we went on. Why? Because we carry our own load. We know Scripture. We've been married for 28 years. We've done this before. We just needed to both get a little less arrogant and a little more humble and just say, I'm sorry, let's move forward. So we're all supposed to do that. We should be in God's Word. We should be knowing what God's Word says, and we should then be taking steps of faith to do what God calls us to do so that God can glorify Himself through our obedience and make a change so that then I can, well, through me, God can show Himself to Kim and help Kim grow spiritually. And if Kim does it, then I grow spiritually. But sometimes we have burdens. Now that Greek word means something over and above the normal stressors. And, you know, all of us, we have those too, right? You know, maybe it's a death of a spouse or a death of a family member or loss of a job. You know, I don't know, what, whatever that is. 
in your life. Um, but what Paul is telling us, or God's telling Paul to tell us, is that's when we need to, as a church family, come around those people. So, you know, again, depending on where you're at spiritually, it could be a burden for you. You grow a little bit spiritually, now it's just a load. You know? So whatever the case, he says now, um, if you think you're too good, don't deceive yourself. And what is he saying about that? What he means by that is this. If you're the one hurting, if you're the one going through a difficult time, and you're like, well, you know, I don't think anybody would help me. You know, I'm too bad. People won't help me. You're deceiving yourself. Because you shouldn't be thinking that way. You need help, you need help. Go to your church family. Get some help. Um, or some people would be like, you know, it's actually the backside of pride. You know, nobody can really help me. No. Your church family can help you. Why? Because God's going to use your church family to help you. Or it might be someone saying, you know, I'm just not spiritual enough to help. Or I'm just not, um, I, I just don't want to get involved in that kind of stuff. And so you're too good to help. Also, you're deceiving yourself. Bear each other's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Lovingly sacrifice. So there's going to be times in our church family where we need to set the remote control aside. We need to set the, the hobby aside. We need to set the other things that we think we need to do. And we need to get around people in our church family. And we need to carry that burden with them. We need to sit down with God's Word. We need to remind them what God's Word says. We need to give them the encouragement they need to walk through that difficult thing. We need to spend time with them. We need to carry that burden with them. That's what the church is supposed to be for. That's what we're supposed to be doing for each other. And I'll tell you, that's what this world is looking for. People are just freaking out. We've got Christians freaking out. We've got a God who raises people from the dead. I'm not saying he's going to be raising people from the dead in our lives right here, right now. You know. But what I'm saying is, God wants to reveal who he is. He's allowing these things into our lives. So then we need to take a step of faith and do it God's way. And there's times where we just need to do it. We need to put our heads down and we need to do it. Carry that load. There's other times we need to say, listen, I need some help. And then we as a church family, we need to come alongside and say, we're going to help you with that. We're going to carry that load with you. But here's the deal. We've got to do it. You've 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 got to be in God's word. You've got to learn what he's saying. And then you've got to trust what he's saying. And then you've got to do it. Take the step of faith. Otherwise, we never know who God is. We never know what God wants to do. As the band comes up uh, to close, let me just throw a few takeaways your way. Um, maybe you need to spend some time in prayer. Um, maybe if it's helpful, to, I'll be in the back and come chat with me if you need to. But let me just throw a, um, three things at you to just kind of consider. Maybe the Lord's speaking to you about something else. But let me just throw a couple things at you. First one, essential number one, God's glory. So you might just need to take some time and say, you know, Lord, I'm going through this difficult time. What is it you're trying to show me, reveal to me about who you are and what you want to do? Remind me of that again, Lord. What is that? And then give me the strength to do it. Give me the strength to, to take that step of faith, which is essential number two, your obedience. You know, where am I failing to be obedient? Where am I, where am I letting my fear of the situation keep me from doing what you're telling me to do? Help me to do that thing. 
Give me the strength to do that thing. Remind me of what that is so I can be obedient, so I can take that step of faith, so I can please you in that. And then essential number three, our service. We need to be praying, Lord, is there somebody around in our church family who, who I need to reach out to, who I need to connect with? And you know, sometimes the Lord will just drop somebody's name in your mind and, man, shoot them a, an email, shoot them a text, send them a card, give them a phone call, whatever, and just say, hey, you know, I, the Lord just been praying for you and the Lord just laid down my heart. I just want to let you know I'm here for you. If you need anything, I'm here for you. Again, our church is awesome at doing this. Um, but maybe that's the step that you need to take. So again, I'm not sure how the Lord's working in your heart. I'm just saying, take some time to consider these things. I know we're all going through stuff. But the ultimate thing is, man, we want to be able to know who God is and make Him known to those in our lives. Again, I'll be in the back if you need to, to chat. Uh, but go ahead and stand up and Caleb's going to close us out.